I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, everybody out there. Welcome to, uh, to the January edition of the uh, Three Wise Truck Guys. Um, as always, we're, we're pleased that you chose to take an hour out of your, out of your day or so to, uh, to listen to us, to listen to some things all about the uh, commercial truck business. As always, I've got uh, Mark Martensic with me and uh, as well as John Whitnell. So welcome to both of you. It's, uh, it's great to have you on again. Well, thanks, Keith. I'm glad to be here again. And uh, uh, of course, you know, old as we are, I'm glad to be here, period, I guess. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Ely. And as Mark Martensic says, every day we're looking at the grass and not the roots is a good day. There you go. That's right. There you That's go. Right. John, right. I understand, understand you're having some weather in your uh, in your compound. Getting uh, ready to hunker down here in Fort Worth. A uh, little ice storm coming in. All right. Well, stay well, safe. Absolutely. 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 Well, hey, guys, let's... Uh, Let's get started like we normally do um, in terms of talking about what we're seeing out there, um, the good and the bad, maybe even some ugly, I guess, if we want to talk about that. But Mark, I'm going to let you start us off. What have you seen that's good uh, out there? What, what's really struck your fancy in the last 30 days well, or so? Well, you know, guys, uh, the, the, the one that gets all the press, at least, okay, is the technician shortage. And, you know, it seems like it's been going on for years and years. What's, what's finally happening, good or bad, is the tech wages are escalating uh, dramatically. And watching different dealers and how they react to that, uh, there's good and bad and there's ugly, right? Okay. Uh, I still believe it's not all about money, but I do believe in this market right now, you're going to have to pay more if you want if you want quality technicians, okay? I saw a recent report where the median pay for a technician is $53,000, $54,000 annually, but I saw other reports where the skilled technicians, it said average was over $100,000, barely, but over $100,000. And certainly in the dealerships, I see that. I see a mix of both, okay? Uh, the piece that I think most dealers miss is it's not just about money and production it's about meaningfulness at work it's about feedback it's about uh, uh, the quality of the of the facility the safety of the facility uh, people that care about them and help them get better and move up that ladder and have a plan for them to do that and the dealers that do that seem to be uh, doing much better with technician retention than, than the ones that don't, okay? For instance, I talked to a dealer at NADA, okay, that just so just a few days ago, that said they changed their whole take last year on techs and they're paying what it takes. They're not hiring apprentices anymore. They're paying what it takes to hire quality technicians. And uh, he says, what that means is if my shop is at X and I hire this guy and I gotta pay him Y, I've got to raise the whole shop or at least people with like abilities yeah. to the same range. And he said it's happened sometimes three or four times. And the people see that and they realize it. And our departures have reduced by more than 70% of techs leaving us uh, because of that. Now, 
you know, I went on to say, how are you paying for it? And they've raised the rate. And in this day and age, okay, everything's more expensive. So again, if the processes are in place and we're delivering good quality service, it's not always about rate. And uh, if you don't have the text to do it, you're not going to have those customers anyway. So that that's my good. And I won't go into. Hey, Mark, I just, want to, I just want to build on that for a second, because uh, this is really an important point. But one of my clients sent me a picture of a bull, billboard. It was right outside the dealership. OK, so you talk about throwing the glove down. It was from a construction company. And it was yeah. advertising wages that were, uh, you know, materially higher than the, the dealership was paying. And so my point here is just simply this: I think we're going to start getting some with the uh, with the Inflation Reduction Act and all the infrastructure dollars. I think uh, we haven't had a lot of competition for technicians from construction companies. But uh, just uh, kind of a heads up for our listeners here: you might might be about to get a little competition from another source that we have, that's been kind of dormant here for a little while. And uh, be paying attention to that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that's a that's a really good point, John. Okay, and it's not just it's not just construction industry of all types need technicians to work on their equipment. Okay, uh, yeah, and these oil drilling rigs have all kinds of diesel uh, yeah. apparatus and so forth out there. Okay, uh, even I heard of uh, I heard a deal that lost a bunch of techs to a big forklift company. To work on the, and that these were massive forklifts, but to work on the forklifts and so forth. So, uh, it, it's competitions intensifying for technical right. support. It, it is, and Mark, I was going to chime in on the on the oil company. We uh, was at we're at a dealer group last week, and this whole um, discussion for probably I don't know 10, 10 of their forty locations or so was about what's happening with the oil companies trying to take their, their tax. And, and, you know, what's, what's happened is for them is they're retaining them, but the, the margin is eroding. And I mean, when you look at it though, it's not a, it's luckily it's not a rate issue. It's sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you got to look at the dollars, not just the, the margin percentage. Right. right? Okay. Without the tax, you won't have the dollars period to any, any margin. So, right. Uh, but but there is room, I think, in most of the markets to uh, to bring the rate up to pay for it. Okay, right. right. John, how about you? Something good that's happened. That you-, you know, Keith, on the positive side of the ledger, one of the things I've seen this year is the dealers doing a lot better job on Salesforce Management 101 and setting goals for their Salesforce this year. I I've seen some uh, some really positive stuff there. We just spent a little time talking about how tif- tough it is to find technicians. That's pretty tough to find new truck sales guys too. So uh, managing them appropriately, that's a good thing. That's uh, that's on the plus side of my ledger for this month. Hey, John, thanks for uh, for that. I think it's interesting that we're all talking about personnel and and how to retain employees and, and maybe even how to, to better utilize employees. Uh, the parts warehouse position has become something that that we've talked through a lot in the last three months with customers. And what we're seeing is that um, the production and the retention as well on the parts warehouse people is so important to driving productivity across both the front and back counter and the, and the, the delivery people. And the impact of that is, is, is that we have probably 
I don't know, probably half a dozen dealers now that are looking at at evaluating that role position of a warehouse person, warehouse manager, and making it its own career path, that the warehouse become its own career path and doesn't necessarily have to lead to a counterperson uh, role, that 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 comp plan and, and the, the, the base and so on for warehouse people is getting not the same as, but getting closer and closer to what a front counterperson does because of the value that that warehouse person, a really well-trained, uh, well, well-qualified uh, warehouse person, what they can bring to, to the profitability of a, of a parts department to the point of you're seeing uh, some of these half dozen groups saying, you know what, let's evaluate our people. Maybe we can find one person that is, is able to do the work of one and a half of these non-qualified people, even though we're having to pay them more, the extra pay is not, uh, is not equal to the increased production we're getting. So it's a really interesting discovery that they're making. And, and uh, I think it's going to be huge for, for some of these larger dealerships. John, I'm going to turn it to you. What, what's something you looked at and said, Oh, here we go again, or not so good this time or something like that. You know, Keith, there's a little stratification here between the big dealers and the not-so-big dealers, okay? I think the big dealers are a little better at this, but, you know, here we are. We're in January. We're in month one of most dealers. And and to me, the engagement, the participation of the rank and file in the annual financial planning process is not good enough, and it's never been. And so it kind of amounts to a document that comes down from on high but really isn't aspirational or motivational to anybody I still think we have a long ways to go to uh, bring the various operating departments into the financial planning process at most dealerships. I, that that's a, continues to be weak. It's a little better at some of the larger dealerships, but generally speaking, uh, this is just an exercise that a lot of people go through and nobody in the rank and file is really plugged into it or understands it uh, and certainly certainly doesn't think it's their plan. Well, John, you know, from I can just speak from service or, or fixed ops at least, but those plans come down in most cases, not all. Some dealers do a better job, okay, without any input or without any help or support or coaching to the department managers as to what he needs to do to reach that amount, whatever it might be. If it's a 10% increase or 5% increase or 30% increase, right. okay. Do I need more text? Do I need to increase proficiency? Do I need to change my rate? Do I need to cut expenses and so on and so forth? And there's just not that support there. So it's a shot in the dark and everybody just works harder or works longer hours and keeps their fingers crossed, right? Right. That's exactly right, Mark. It's exactly what I'm talking about there too. Interesting. Mark, you have anything you want to add to the not so good or does that fall in the line with yours? No, I'm I'm sitting here uh, worried about uh, John and the weather he's got coming. Okay, so, <laughs> it's, know, not, it's not a sunny day in Alabama, but it is uh, almost sixty degrees. So. There you go. Okay. There you go. You know, I, I I would, I think I'm gonna leave that one alone too, John. I think that is such a hard hitting thing that you talked about. I think it's a, just a huge, huge issue. It's a sea level change for most dealer principals too, right? Because yes. uh, a lot of them, as they've come up through the process, you know, they don't have corporate backgrounds. A lot of them, they were small dealerships that have become quite large dealerships. 
and how to have an effective planning process is something that uh, that they haven't uh, haven't embraced as they've come up through their career. So you know, this is uh, this is a tough one, and it's going to require it's going to require due to principals getting out of their comfort zone and and engaging their CPA firms, engaging uh, other businesses, and you know, local businesses. Not necessarily even the the, the planning process isn't unique to the commercial vehicle distribution right. space. So right. uh, you, you're going to have to go out and learn how to do this. Right. Right. If it's the way it's always been done, maybe we should question it, right? Yeah. I'm all for that. Uh, question everything. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's turn to the topic at hand. I, I, I've been excited about this one. One, because I just love the topic. Um, number two, because of the, the value it can bring to a, to a commercial dealership. And I guess number three, because I just enjoy visiting with John about this topic and, and getting his take on it. The, the topic this month is, is what's going to happen in the used truck market uh, in 2023. And um, uh, you know, what does the conditions of the market look like? I will tell you that, that I was at a large group two weeks ago and uh, teaching an emerging leaders class and so it was week four of the class and, and the first two days of that class are built around um, the, the uh, used truck market. Uh, they, they name it something different, but it's the used truck market. Uh, and, you know, listening, looking at their data, number one, was very interesting. You could see the divide um, from where the market was going like this in 22 and then when it just tanked on the sleeper markets or the sleeper trucks. And so it was really interesting to, to watch that. Very interesting to, to listen to their struggles as they talked about why they, what, what the challenge was of, of moving the trucks quickly. I know, John, that, that when you and I have done these presentations before, this whole idea of time, I think you've always had a slide that says something like identify the time leaks or something to that effect. And, you know, the time is so important in this and, Still, the, the 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 reasons, the excuses, the causes, whatever you want to call it, for and and of time leaks is just um, somewhat overwhelming to me at times because um, I don't understand why they can't get their arms wrapped around it. But uh, today we're going to talk on this subject, and uh, and since John's with us, you know, I want to use his expertise to to lead this conversation and, and help all of our listeners understand what direction the used truck market is headed in 2023. Mark, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to be the voice of the audience here. So, uh, um, you know, ask some questions that you think the audience would, uh, would like to know and that, that they've replied to us and that, that have sent questions into us. You know, we've listened to your questions. And so Mark and John are going to take the audience's questions um, I'm sure there'll be a few more that come up in between this, between uh, the three of us. But Mark and John are going to take your questions, and uh, Mark's going to ask them. And uh, John, you get to answer them, and I'll sit here and play a little ringmaster for a You're while. You're the so, wisest of the three wise truck guys, okay? So without you, this that. thing goes nowhere. <laughs> I don't know about that. But Mark, I'm going to turn it to you, and uh, let's see what Mr. Whitnell can tell us about the uh, – 2023 used truck well, well, obviously this is important to the whole dealership but from the fixed operation standpoint we want to have uh trucks in the market and used trucks in the market bring its business back uh in, in the way of fixed operations 
but I read a lot about used trucks, okay? And there's a whole lot of industry press out there about used trucks. Uh, if you're reading the industry rags, it's out there. And a lot of these experts sound like they think the sky is falling. So, John, the question is, what's the truth? What's reality? Well, you know, that's, uh, Mark, that's the best place. This is probably the eighth forecast that we've done in terms of uh, used trucking. We've actually done pretty well, but our starting point on all these is what kind of tailwinds do we have from 2022 as we head into 2023? And Mark, you're right. Uh, certainly after the used truck convention and transport topics and some of the industry rags, it was uh, it was doom and gloom. I don't think we're going to look back on 2022 as doom and gloom. I think 2022 is going to go down as a great year in the used truck business, and it's going to provide a lot of tailwinds for us as we go into 2023. But Keith, as you sort of alluded to, the obvious uh, exception here is is the sleeper sector, and uh, we'll get into some of why that's uh, a little bit. But but the fact is, some of what happened in 2022 in the sleeper sector was just the extraordinary prices that we experienced in 2021, and so if you will, gravity kind of kind of came into play in in 2022. But it's more than that. Supply has clearly amplified and we're starting to starting to experience some of that classic tension that we see when supply goes up. But Mark, the point I'm driving at here is once you get past the sleeper sector, look in the vocational sector, it was an extraordinary year. When you look at the medium duty in the LFE sectors, it was an extraordinary year. And when you look at the day cab sector, it was a way above average, very solid year. So, you know, in most of the industry, we're going into 2023 on a pretty firm foundation. And there's a lot of metrics that you could look at to support that. You know, auction values were very low, auction pricing really good, uh, retail asking prices in every sector except the sleeper sector were very good. We, we, inventory levels uh, in, the, in the medium duty and the day cab sector remain close to historical lows. Uh, even sleeper inventory is uh, still in a very acceptable range. So when you look at 2023 and the momentum provided by 2022, we've got a lot of really good things that are that are going on. The market is fundamentally very sound heading into 23 with some storm clouds gathering in the sleeper sector. Uh, look, my last thought on 2022 is this used truck drink, it doesn't get stirred if the lenders aren't in place out there. And, uh, you know, in 2021, the lenders had the most extraordinary yield Years the lowest loss ratios, the lowest repossession rates, uh, the lowest past due and delinquencies ever imaginable. A lot of that returned to normal levels in 2022. And, um, you know, lenders, their insatiable quest for yield is still scratched. That itch is still scratched by the used truck sector. So the most important thing that I think is relevant from 2022 as we look into 2023 is the lending community is still active, still engaged, until still really excited about funding the used truck uh, business. And so a lot of really good news from my perspective. I think the industry regs have dramatically overdone it. And I think uh, the foundation from 2022, as we look to 2023, is really, really good. You know, John, oh. I, I, I'm going to interrupt you, Mark, real quick. Go ahead. You talked, you talked about the... Um, the lending community, the, the financing arm of this, that they've got to stay in place. I think, and I, you may have referenced this before in, uh, in our conversations, but um, isn't that what drove a lot of the downturn, you know, 15 years ago, you know, that late 2000s, 
time frame did, did was it more lenders exiting the market then than than a demand downturn in truck sales you know keith it was actually uh if you think back to two th- the correction of 2007 2008 2009 and and of course the financial calamity that accompanied that uh, there were a lot of new banking regulations that came into play. There were a lot of new uh, liquidity and safety ratios that came into play that really limited where banks could go. But the most important thing about all that was the uh, the stigma, if you will, of subprime. Okay, and and really it was the subprime housing market that drove the whole market to the to the edge of the abyss. And there's no question that was a really serious set of circumstances we we're in. But but used trucks are kind of typically viewed as, as subprime, okay? So, you know, with all the scrutiny that was coming on from the Federal Reserve over banks, with all the new lending tests and lending criteria, with all the challenges to the uh, the dealer lending process and scrutiny and approval process, and then the stigma of uh, subprime, it really did drive liquidity out of the marketplace almost completely in 2000, except, with the exception of captive finance companies. Right. It almost drove liquidity completely out of the market. And uh, so uh, that was what c- c- uh, depressed demand in 2008 and 2009. Not, not the fact that there wasn't customers out there that wanted to buy trucks. There just wasn't enough lending support in the community to support demand at historical levels in that brief period of time. You know, and, and what I found interesting about your comment about the lenders still being in the market was, the group that I was with again two two weeks ago, we had a section on F and I, and their their take on on F and I is uh, first of all their expectation is for retail used truck units sixty percent penetration. Uh, they also expect fifty percent of what they send up the chain, you know, to get approved to be approved, and fifty percent of that to be closed. So, there to me, knowing this group. And knowing what those expectations are, they don't see lenders as being a problem. They really don't. You know, I was on a, a call for one of the OEMs the other day and and not very many questions. But the one question that did come up, and, and this is in the Wall Street Journal, you know, the, I think the banks are being pretty transparent that they're increasing lost reserves and it's having an impact on. on and so and so the question was, hey, uh, you know, what about that? And, and, and I believe that's true. I believe. Lenders are increasing loss reserves, and I think losses in 2022 are higher than they were in 2021. But the important point here to note is losses in 2021 were at all-time lows, uh, heretofore unseen. Uh, And a lot of the lending community in 2021, they sort of took a pass on some of the extraordinary pricing that was going on out there in the marketplace. Uh, the, The really high dollar transactions that we saw, those weren't funded by banks, and so there's not imminent losses on extraordinarily high purchase prices that came in 2021, because a lot of those guys paid with cash. So, yeah, losses went up in 2022, but I would argue that losses, based on what I've seen, uh, are, are, are back to about historical levels, and there isn't any dysfunction or bad taste in the lending community's mouth as we head into 2023. There are losses that come with used trucks, and that's just right. a fact of life. Okay. So... So uh, this is really pretty interesting, okay? Not as dramatic as some of the headlines, which I guess is typical in this world right now, okay? Uh, but I also saw an article, in the, or some articles in the last six months that have been focused around demand changing rapidly. So is there going to be the demand 
Are you on board? Do you believe that? You know, what's your thoughts on the demand for 2023? You know, Mark, that's a great question because you talk about flavor of the month. If you go back and look in the industry press three or four years ago or 13 or 15 or 20, you, you never really saw anybody talking about demand. But but all of a sudden, demand has become the flavor of the month. And uh, just uh, just as an extraordinary in this month's uh, uh, successful dealer, I, I saw where, you know, one of the industry pundits has, has portrayed industry demand in in uh, 2022 is 254,000 units on the class eight side of the business, which is such an extraordinarily incorrect number that it, it really uh, it really kind of throws the whole demand discussion open for uh, a lot of uh, scrutiny. Um, my position is the class eight, the historical demand for class eight line haul tractor is about 150,000 units. And it's been that way for the last 30 years, except for two brief periods of time. One we just talked about in the 2008-9 timeframe where we had lending constraints. The other is when demand was actually higher than 150,000, and that was in 2021. And and what drove that was because new truck production had been completely choked off. Freight demand was extraordinary. Rates were extraordinary. And, and, and people that typically buy new trucks had come into the used truck market because they just needed freight hauling capacity and rolling stock. So demand is uh, is an often talked about subject, but it's really not that hard. And it's been very stable around 150,000 units in the line haul sector for 30 years. And it, I have every reason to believe that as we look to, uh, you know, there's some economic concerns. There's some industry metric concerns uh, as we look to 2020. There's there's all kinds of storm signs, storm clouds that are out there. But I think the most important thing is that used truck class A demand has been extraordinarily resilient over a 30-year period of time. And, uh, you know, I don't see any economic, you know, the economic signals that we look at, you know, GDP, there's some discussion about a recession. Hey, Demand has remained constant through several recessions over the last 30 years. So I think there's going to be enough economic growth as we look to 2023 to support demand at historical levels. Uh, the ATA tonnage forecast for 2023 is to grow from 11 billion to 13 and a half, 13.7 billion. So there's going to be plenty of freight out there and, and freight is what drives truck demand. Okay. So there's going to be plenty of demand out there in 2023. So I look for, I look for 2023 on the demand side. Uh, there isn't going to be the new truck supply issues have all sort of normalized and they're slowly working themselves out. There isn't going to be any demand from the new truck side that's parasitic into our industry. There isn't going to be any economic calamity that causes it to go below 150,000. We'll have. A, there will be a lot of customers coming onto our listeners' lots next year to buy trucks. Class eight demand, which is for line haul, for day cab and sleeper tractors, will be about one hundred and fifty thousand units, and demand for vocational class eight units will be about twenty five thousand units. Very closely aligned with historical demand. You know, Mark, the one I've learned lots of things from John Whitnell in the thirty years or so I've known him, but the one thing that that always has stuck with me since he told me this was that demand doesn't change on used trucks. I said, John, you're going to be kidding me. 
I hear all these people out there for, you know, this is 25 years ago. Hey, I hear all these people out there talking about demand changes every year. And he shows me this stuff and, and it's, you know, the same number year over year over year, other than probably two or three, two or three uh, variances in that. And I, I find that interesting. And most people that I talk to about this don't know that either. They assume that, that all the, all these, quote, troubles are driven by by demand rather than a supply issue. So I, I think that's fascinating. So so I guess the question is then, is nobody's talking about inventory levels, uh, except I think you have, John, okay? You know, what impact does the dealer use truck inventory levels have on the pricing in 2023? Well, so a, gr- a great question. Another great question. You're filled with great questions here, Mark. Look, the one, the one thing that uh, has been proven over time to be catastrophic for, uh, for, for our industry is when supply is high and inventory levels are high. And so in the combination of those two things is catastrophic. And especially if you've invested in, in inventory at high levels and you're hoping that the market supports stable pricing, it will not. Pricing will come down under that scenario. And so understanding where inventory levels are at is critical, Mark. And, uh, and so the answer to your question is, it sort of depends, right? In the sleeper sector, we saw, and, and we have an inventory index that we look at and pay a lot of attention to that over the last six years has been done a pretty good job of describing what's actually happening in the marketplace. And so our index tells us that sleeper inventory has risen from historically low levels to levels that are probably uh, what you'd characterize as safe. But the problem that we have with inventory levels is inventory levels in the sleeper sector are rising dramatically. And in particular, in the fourth quarter, as supply started to amplify, inventory levels have moved from a very low to, to the safe level. And there's no question, as we look to 2023, that sleeper inventory levels probably by the end of the second quarter will be at levels that I characterize as problematic and inventory levels that will that will intensify downward price pressure on inventory. So it, when we think about inventory, we have some concerns uh, on the sleeper sector. Past that mark, life looks pretty good. The day cab inventory remains very close to, uh, to historically low levels. And as we forecast, you know, at class... Day cab tractors will be impacted by increasing supply as well. Um, not as much as sleepers. And the reason is because manufacturers make the most, OEMs make the most money when they push a sleeper over the curb. The higher the content, the higher the gross margins in the truck. So sleepers are always going to be what OEMs want to produce and release to the dealer organization for delivery into the marketplace first. Then day cab tractors will come because they're relatively high content compared to a medium duty truck as well. So day cab tractors, they will start to be impact, inventory levels will start to be impacted by increased class eight supply in 2023. But our forecasted projection rates are that day cab inventory is still gonna be at very safe levels throughout the entirety of, uh, of 2023. And then on the other side of the coin from sleepers, uh, my sense is medium duty inventory, LFE inventory, mid-range tractors, those have been in scarcity condition for a year and a half, almost two years. And I think we're going to continue to see a shortage of medium duty inventory levels uh, out in the field. So 
you know, the inventory question sort of depends on which sector that you're talking about. But as it relates to the day cab and the uh, and the medium duty sectors, Mark, we're going to continue to be in a very favorable inventory condition throughout 2023. Keep your, uh, you know, the, the most important message I think we could give in here today is you better be managing your sleeper assets really aggressively as we go through 2023 because inventory levels are rising and they're going to reach critical levels in the second quarter that's going to contribute to additional downward price pressure in the marketplace. So, John, just um, along with that, what's the one piece of advice you would give on on that uh, on that sleeper sector, you know, to, 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 quote, manage this? I don't know that you can manage it, but to, to at least manage it to the best of your ability. You know, Keith, we've had a conversation on this a lot of times over the years. If you're buying and selling in the same 90-day window, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Now, if if your uh, reconditioning processes are sort of slack or you're not paying attention and they're not disciplined, right, the first 30 days of your 90-day window could get chewed up just by getting the trucks front line ready, right. okay? So th- here again, we're kind of trying to tie all the points we've made over time together, but you know, you got to have a you got to have disciplined processes to get your inventory ready to sell. But the second one is, you know, if you've bought a truck today and you can sell it in a ninety day window, you're probably going to be okay. The right. trucks where you're going to be at risk is the one, the trade ins that you've taken where you put the values on them maybe a year ago, right? So right. when we say uh, manage your assets accordingly, you know, there's some basics about 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 that. You know, number one, always be careful about making trade-in commitments beyond 12 months. Uh, even when I was with an OEM, we, we wouldn't do that. Don't make trade-in commitments beyond 12 months. If you're going to make trade-in commitments beyond six months, make sure you've got a rollout factor in there that it'll at least provide some level of relief. And then, uh, you know, you have to be disciplined in enforcing terms and conditions. And I think the most important thing when we're talking about managing your assets is understanding where your competition has similar priced inventory. And if you've made an investment mistake, especially in a market like 2023, where we're looking at values that are going to be decreasing precipitously. And by the way, that means fast. Okay. So if you're looking at values that are going to be dropping and you've made an investment mistake, the market, this isn't 2020. The market is not going to bail you out of that mistake. It's going to amplify and intensify that mistake. Okay, so you have to always, always as a used truck manager, be testing your inventory versus competitive inventory in the field. Not just the guy across town either, by the way. You need to be going out on the Internet and you need to be finding out where the whole market is because your customers are going to come from anywhere. And you need to make sure that you're priced to market. If you've made an investment mistake when values are dropping quickly, you can't kid yourself about where you're at and whether you'll find that one sucker. Because if you find that one sucker who's going to take you out of that truck, you won't get it financed. And then you'll be back where you started. Yep. So, you know, manage your assets aggressively in the sleeper sector. Operate in a 90-day mindset. Operate in a 90-day window. And above all else, you know what? Mr. Market is a pretty hard-nosed, callous unconcerned guy he doesn't care what you have in your inventory he's gonna he's gonna buy that truck at market and that's all there is to it and if you're not at market if you're above market it's only going to get worse if you kid yourself 
Yep. I appreciate that. It sounds like Mr. Market must be a good friend of yours. No, I'm well. <laughs> oh, I, I just want to thank you for explaining precipitous. Well, how did you say that? Precipitously. <laughs> means faster. Yeah, yeah he's fast. He's <laughs> look out below, Mark. Well, except for that word, okay, you did really well yeah. for a fixed stops guy. I think I understand a little bit more than I than I did when we started this. Hey, Mark, can I uh, talk about supply for just a minute? Because I know you're you're Please. trying to you're trying to see if we can have a used truck conversation without Whitnell talking about supply, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I, I appreciate that too, John. I I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, look, when the storm cloud for 2023 that everybody needs to you know your worry beat is your as you're down your hands and knees uh, saying praying to whoever you pray to at night. Supply is the worry bead that's going to catch up with us a little bit in uh, in 2023. And as I talked about, you know, if, if you look at Class 8 retail sales in the fourth quarter of 2022, it tells the story. OEMs are getting this supply chain thing worked out. And they are starting to build a few more and a few more. and a few. There's no silver bullet. There's no tsunami coming here. But, you know, fourth quarter uh, Class 8 retail sales which drives used truck supply. That's the only reason we look at that metric is, is because class eight used trucks, some proportion of those new truck deliveries all have a trade in associated with them. Okay. So that's why we pay attention to that metric in the fourth quarter of this year, it's up 22, 23% over the prior year, not a hundred percent. Okay. But 22 or 23% off of some decent numbers in 2021 tells the story. They're getting this thing worked out. There's almost 300,000 units in the OEM backlogs, okay? So there are a shitload of trucks that are ready to be manufactured and delivered into the marketplace. We, we will continue in 2023 to see slow, steady improvement in supply chain dynamics uh, by most manufacturers. So supply, because Class 8 retail sales are going to be increasing. I think next year, uh, retail sales will be 270,000 versus 250,000 this year and that extra 20,000 will be all the difference that it takes to to make a big difference in the supply chain as i discussed earlier i think the preponderance of those are going to be introduced into the sleeper sector and create the most pricing tension in the sleeping sector so supply is going to be a big deal for sleeper tractors in 2023 there's going to be a lot more supply uh, than there is uh, demand you know the, the primary driver, Class 8 retail sales, is going to go up. As we talked a little bit about, secondary sources are, are of, of the supply of used trucks are also going to increase this year. One of those sources is from repossessions and, and, and uh, lending portfolios kind of coming back into vogue with historical repo rates. But, you know, the, uh, the leasing companies have sat on a lot of... Uh, a lot of daily rental inventory because the daily rental market's been so hot. Uh, that's going to cool off a little bit with the economy. We're going to see a lot of units coming out of uh, full service leasing company daily rental fleets. So we're going to we're going to have more supply in 2023 from secondary sources as well. And uh, in total, what the whole supply thing means is, especially as it relates to sleeper tractors. Keep your eye on that. It's your number one worry beat for 2023. And if you take your eye off that, you're going to get you're going to get hurt. Interesting. Hey, just you know, Mark, the one of the one thing I had um, on my punch list here I, that I'm always interested in is 
is the pricing. You know, what is what what's happening to pricing projections, I guess, by your various sectors. John, can you can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, you know, Keith, we've actually uh, shared some of our charts with you on that. And, uh, you know, feel free to share that with your clients as, as it makes sense. But again, I think when you talk about pricing, you have to be more specific. And, and the trade rags don't like to think about this, right? But you have to think about sleepers different than, than, than day cabs, than vocational, than mid-range, okay? And, and I think, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to see significant pricing tension in the sleeper sector, in uh, in 2023 and i think i think prices uh will will um i think we'll end up 2023 at price levels that are probably 20,000 15 to 20,000 dollars lower than we ended up 2022 at and then see additional downward price pressure in, in 2024 in that sector by the end of 24 we'll be at prices that look like 2015 2016 2017 so you know, without having a chart here, this is a little tough to tell a story, but prices came down substantially in 2022 in the sleeper sector. They're going to come down again in 2023 and then a little bit more in 2024 to take us back to historical pricing levels that we're used to seeing. I continue to see uh, day cab tractors uh, pricing elevated in 2023, probably about four or $5,000 off of what we observed in uh, so, so slightly lower, and again, the supply side starting to tick up, but but pricing on the on the day cab sector will continue to be uh, very solid, and uh, and I actually look for prices in the mid range sector to, to 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 mirror what we observed in twenty twenty two. Pricing in the mid range sector will be will be really strong. Okay, thank you. Vocational stuff is as good as gold. Okay. <laughs> Don't be lowering your price. If you've got heavy haul tractors, if you've got dump trucks, if you've got flatbed trucks, if you've got uh, tag axle stuff, uh, you know, the, the, the projects from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act are just being led as we speak. Uh, the the uh, infrastructure programs will be great. If you have vocational use trucks, mark those, price those to market. You'll make so good think- money on those. I think what's interesting is that, you know, you, you keep coming back to, a, well, I guess, really three or four basic tenets, certainly the understanding supply and, and that piece. But when you get into the micro side of this in terms of your, your own individual inventory, you talk to some things about, hey, know how many of these trucks are out there in the market, right? And what's coming at you as well. You're not going to know it by to, to the to the individual unit, but at least hey, there's a tsunami of these trucks coming. We better work through these things pretty quick and figure out how we're going to dispose of these things. Or to your point on the vocationals, that 90-day window may not be an applicable number. Yeah, you know, if you have to carry that stuff into next year, you know, vocational trucks, the model year is uh, much less important than it is in other sectors. If you have to carry a truck with good specs that you're invested correctly in over another model year, you don't want to do that if you don't have to, but I'd be, I, I would never give that advice on a sleeper tractor, but on right. a vocational truck, yeah, it's uh, worth thinking about. And then I think the other two things that you talked about there was, hey, be aware what, what you're marketing these trucks for versus what the market is marketing or saying these trucks can be marketed for. And then I guess at the end of the day, um, how much do you got in the truck versus 
what's the auction t- telling you the truck is is worth as well and and staying in touch with that on a pretty consistent basis you know it's always all, all these channels move together right I, I do have a lot of my clients who say i, I don't care about the auction market I, I i don't ever take my trucks to auction which is which is okay right but the fact is and it's been proven over the last decade that when the auction market sneezes the retail market catches a cold and that's just the way it is all these especially with the internet uh, uh, intensifying how quickly you can get information uh, w- and people do watch the auction market. You may, you may elect not to, but people do. And so, you know, the pricing, just w- whatever happens in the auction market will happen in the wholesale market and the retail market uh, instantaneously. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, uh, but having said that, still the best place to figure out if you're priced a market or not is looking at retail prices. Mark, what else you got for John? You've done a great job. John, yeah, you've done a great job. Okay. Uh, uh, A really, really good in-depth summary. Okay. Any last thoughts, I guess, for 2023? Be careful in the sleeper sector. I heard that a few times. Okay. I did. (laughs) If you forget everything else I said, and it's easy to do that, but uh, hang on tight. Uh, Manage your assets aggressively in the sleeper sector. Well, that is by far the biggest sector, too. Correct, John? That uh, that is, yes, Keith. Although you know the split between day cabs and sleepers, uh, as you go to intermodalism and whatnot over the last years, uh, I I would suspect sixty percent is sleepers and forty percent is day cab these days. Really interesting. Used to be eighty twenty. Okay. Well, John, I thought that was a, a really great job, Mark. Thanks for uh, thanks for being the voice of the audience. That was that was a great job. Keith, the only thing I'd throw out, if it helps, yeah. uh, you know, you've yeah. got a copy of our 2023 forecast. And some of these points we're trying to make here today uh, uh, might be a little easier to process if you had that in front of you. So, you know, if you get your callers or clients or anybody who, uh, who could use that forecast, uh, don't don't hesitate to share that. Hey, with I, I appreciate that. So, you know, to our audience, if you'd like to learn more, uh, just, uh, just shoot an email to uh, info at KEA Advisors or Keith at KE Advisors, and we'll uh, we'll get you a copy of the uh, 2023 used truck market condi- used market conditions update from John. Um, I read it; and I found it very, very fascinating. Um, this thing is really simple, but man, is it complex at the same time. You know, supply and demand—they always win every time, too. Especially always, supply. Especially supply. <laughs> Hey, gents, thanks again for taking some time out. I, I, I was, as I said, I, I found this to be, I always find this to be exciting because I, I'm probably not as much of a used truck nerd as John, but I'm fairly close. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating, fascinating um, segment of what we do. You know, Mark, we've turned to even with our, with our internal uh, metrics we don't just look at fixed absorption anymore. We put the used truck gross into it because so many of these guys have good fixed absorption. Then they get into a negative grossing scenario on used trucks because they because uh, they move those trucks out too late or they don't put the right amount in them, whatever it is. And now that absorption goes from 125 to 105 after you after you include the used truck gross, so it's a really important metric to know as well. Um, adding that used used truck gross in. Um, so thanks, thanks again for for your time. 
Um, next month, I think uh, for our February one, we're gonna we're gonna turn our attention to service. Probably gonna be dealing with a lot of service throughput discussion. Um, so as John was a resident expert on on uh, this discussion, we're gonna turn around and pepper Mr. Martinsik with some questions about service throughput. We're gonna have this discussion for several months in a row, actually. So if you have any questions about service throughput and and uh, service department performance, send us some questions and we'll be glad to include those. In yeah, our, uh, please, please do. Please do. And uh, just remember now, okay, that I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. And as always. Well, let's see how you do when you, if you're that good, let's see how you do putting some investments on used trucks, Mark. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you'll be the fastest, you'll be the fanciest shooter in the room. <laughs> That's go. right. If only. Yeah. Well, gents, as always. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate your time, John. Thank You're you both. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both. So, and to our listeners, thanks again for listening. If you've got any questions or uh, comments, reach out to us. If you want to learn more about what uh, key advisors can do for you, uh, reach out to us as well or visit keyadvisors.com. So uh, until uh, our next recording, which will happen here in a few weeks, uh, thanks again for all of you listening. And uh, this is the Three Wise Truck Guys signing off. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.